You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I'm your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have Minister of Song, singer and songwriter, Jay Emanuel, joining me today. It is such a pleasure to have you on. How are you? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we got so much to talk about today to learn all about you. But tell me, you're originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. So what was life like for you growing up? Uh, Greensboro is uh, pretty steady. I actually was originally from Burlington. I lived in Burlington the first 26 years, and then I moved to Greensboro. I've been here eight years now. So Burlington, it was a great, great upbringing, uh, family-oriented town. You knew everybody would go to everybody's door and get sugar, and you had the old sands and stuff like that. So yeah. it was very cool. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You're finishing up your statement. No, I was, it was it's such a great upbringing. Like, when I go back to see friends and family, like, my mom's, House is still there. Um, currently, she's not staying there, but I still go and see the community. The great memories of just riding around and looking at the houses and remembering playing in this yard and playing in that yard, playing sports. It was awesome. It's always awesome. So, you come from very humble um, experience, very humble upbringing, huh? Yes, 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 I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay, you were raised in the church by your mother and father, who were ministers through song. What was your experience like growing up as a child in church? Wow. Let's see. Uh, let's see. You went to church in the morning. Mm-hmm. You went to church in the afternoon. Then you had to go to the church. The I guess the, as they call them, the ladies that want your pastor to come and eat fried chicken. So we had to go to their house. <laughs> After church, so we never got home until like five or six o'clock every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, some of these young people don't even know what Sunday school is, but we get Sunday school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a great experience though, like getting to learn how how in tune my parents were with God, but wanting us to see that you have to make God the foundation. So yeah, that was a, a pivotal part too. And I was just watching my father go up there every every Sunday and preach the word of God to people. It was very it was very inspirational. I mm-hmm. So, what is the importance to you in the foundation of the word of God? What 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 greatness can you get out of having a foundation like that growing up in the church? That's a good question. I think having a foundation has kept me sane. Because what's going on in the world right now, like, there's no stability. And uh, one of my great mentors says, in a world of uncertainty, you should be certain. And God is the only certain thing in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, pro- it's proven facts. You know, mm-hmm. so. so as a minister, though, and you just brought up a great point, how a lot of people are not grounded or rooted in the word of God. And a lot of people, I personally feel like, are disconnected when it comes to the church. I know that there is a lot of stigmas about the church. Mm-hmm. I did have an episode about religion and spirituality. And there's so many people that don't feel like that is interconnected with each other. But also, do you feel like a lot of people have left the church over the years? Or do you feel like people still find a sense of purpose they're going to church? What are your thoughts about that? That's a great question. A lot of people have left church, especially young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even myself, I can be transparent with you and say that the ministry that I was in, it was a great ministry, but the move of God he's trying to do, he doesn't want just uh, church leaders. He doesn't want people to just want to shout and sing. He wants people that truly want to go out and tell people about who he is. Mm-hmm. Be a, like, be true believers because he's a relationship. And so what happened was you have all these different religions, but nobody has a relationship with God anymore. And that's what people are looking for. And a lot of these churches are so traditional. They're not realizing all people are saying is, I want a relationship. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me how to look. Don't tell me what to say. Don't tell me what not to say. Tell me how do I get close to God without you trying to tell me how to look. 
or what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what the church is like. Exactly. And there's, you know, so many, I know that there's three pastors out there that are about getting financial gain too. And that's another reason for a lot of people's disconnect with the church, because it's like, you can't get a blessing unless, unless you sow a seed, you know what I'm saying? So it's something that, you know, even if you're not in church, you definitely can find God and he can hear you. He's around you. You know, you can still be blessed regardless, but the church is great to go to as a sense of fellowship with other people that just, you know, believe in the same things that you do. So yeah, that's an interesting take about that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I I inspire people like that's the reason I do the way I write my music is because people just want to feel they want to feel God's presence. They don't want to be forced mm-hmm. to know something that they haven't seen. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, that's why a lot of people's faith is so faint. Like we we take that word instead as for my people perish from the lack of knowledge. The knowledge is in knowing that God is real, right? But also the perishing happens because people spend so much time trying to force these people to knowledge God mm-hmm. instead of living it out and letting them choose their own thing. That's why he said free will. Mm-hmm. All you can do, all you can do is show people who God is. You can't make them and you can't tell them what to do. Absolutely. If you want to live certain lifestyles or you want to do certain things, you have to let them do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. <laughs> now Although you grew up, I know that you grew up in church. Did you ever feel like there was a moment where you felt like you were being force feeded the word of God in your own personal experiences of being in the church? Uh, Transparently, I think at a young age, yes, because my parents wanted to know who God was. But as I got older, I got saved when I was 14. Mm. So I really started to come into my own soul. And that was at the point where people were coming to pick me up just to come and sing. Because I noticed when I would sing, people would just feel like they were healed. I would see people, you know, talking in the spirit and the unknown tongues and different things like that. So I was like, okay, God is good. You know, when I realized I need to take my own path because my father is teaching me great knowledge, but I feel like he wants me to do it his way. You know, but I was so grateful for his knowledge, though, because it's still with me today, so... Yeah, that's a blessing. So, mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. so at the age of eight years old, um, you decided to actually follow in your father's footsteps and get into ministry. So what was the turning point for you in your decision to get into ministry at such a young age? I love music. I love music. My father, my mother and my father were missionaries. Mm-hmm. So they had a group called uh, New Directions. Mm-hmm. They would travel places like Haiti, Africa, um, different other foreign countries, just going around singing the gospel to people. Um, and actually, it was a group of different um, nationalities. It was Caucasian, they had um, Indonesian people in the group, they had Spanish people. And my parents, of course, at that time, this is in the early 60s, 70s, so you're trying to bring together all different ethnicities, and it worked, you know, at that time. So it was exciting to know that that's what they were doing. And I think at the end of their run, as far as like doing mission work and going to different places, we started, me and my siblings, I have three other siblings. We would go with them. They would go to different little cities around North Carolina and just ministry to song. And I was just hearing my father preach and teach and talk about God. He was way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, okay, now from the age of 13, you started to perform at talent shows, various events, and you actually started writing um, songs. Uh, and one of your songs was called Hallelujah It's Sunday and Always Praise Your Heart. I love that. So what was the message behind the songs and what inspired you to actually start writing music? Wow. It's a, it's a deep story, but I'll try to make it like surface level. I struggled to read and write um, until the age of about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And I was sexy. So what I did was my mama told me to praise with my heart. She said, sing to God. Now, so my mom not good at nothing. She was like, and she said, but you can sing. She said, heal people. God will heal you over time. Just keep singing and, and write what's in your mind. Write what comes to your mind. So actually, I did do writing down. It was in my mind. So everything that I wrote was in my mind. So every song that you uh, could have heard from the age of eight to 13, it was in my head. And I just 
that's the way I've always wanted to write my music. Now, of course, I write that now, but it's still a gift I have to do that. So. Yeah, and you know, I love the fact that you didn't allow something that is kind of stigmatized as being an obstacle keep you behind. You were able to prevail even with this so-called obstacle and you were able to start writing music and you were did that by praying to God and blessing him to help you with that, you know, whatever you struggled with. And I think that that's powerful as well. And, you know, that shows, you know, the power of God, if you are a believer and if you have faith in him, that all things are possible. So I think that is very uh, powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I tell you, I I tell people all the time, I said, the job I do now work in mental health. And when I tell people my story and what I struggle with, I said, I empower people to live now because I know what I can do to live. And literally, like, when you feel like you just don't understand what people are talking to you. So just having the ability to comprehend for me was a win. And I said, God has nothing else in my life. I have an ability to comprehend things, to learn, to teach other people how to love themselves, to live. Yeah, and I think love is definitely missing from our world today. There's a lot of people that don't lead with compassion or love. And we can go a longer ways when, you know, we love each other. You know, (laughs) I know it sounds corny, but it does does get us further in life. You know, yeah. So, okay, you perform at the Megafest Gospel Contest and you became one of the finalists there, too. And yes. Yes. Um, that was a great experience, but it also was one where why it created a long span of me not doing music. I know you said, what are you talking about? So when I was 16, I tried out and I was I made it to Texas, not to, excuse me, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Bishop Paul Morton was doing like gospel fest talent shows mm-hmm. his conference. Do you know who Bishop Paul Morton is? I'm not too familiar with him, no. P.J. Morton is is his son. Oh, yes. I love his music, P.J. Morton. Yeah. Yeah, P.J. Morton is his son. So he would do uh, different complications and things like that. That's what church do, coaching church or the Baptist church, things like that. But he was giving people opportunity to get a record deal or to be sponsored to put out an album, different things like that. So I had an opportunity to go and met great people like Michael. B. Michael McKay, he was Kurt Franklin's mentor. I met Kurt Franklin, I met Benita Washington at the time. Mm-hmm. Her name is Benita Combs. You know her? You yes, know her? I do. Uh, she's a great singer. Mm-hmm. I met William Murphy. Mm-hmm. He was just really getting big at the time. Mm-hmm. He was an opera, opera singer. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, my experience was great, but I got beat out in the final round to the lady that I beat in Greensboro, North Carolina. She came all the way to Arizona and beat me out. And I was the number one. But it was a great experience. Like, I still think about it to this day. Like, that kind of pushed me away from God because I was like, God, you showed me that I'm supposed to be on this platform. So I stepped away from the music scene for like five years. And I started doing what every young boy does you know, fornication to this experience of life. You know, and I was like, wow, this was so real. So, Mm-hmm. I know, but it was still a great experience. I know you expected more about like different way of me telling you, but I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. It taught me so much about who I was at that time. It just showed me that God wasn't ready for me to minister to saw me. He was just preparing me. So. Mm-hmm. so is that why you decided to take the route and sing gospel music? The things that you experienced previously growing up as a teenager, going through your adolescent stage and growing into your manhood. Is that part of the reason why, you know, gospel music stuck with you as opposed to any other genre of music? Yeah. And also it just always came so easy. Like I grew up on music, mm-hmm. but like every time I talk about God, I got really happy. Mm-hmm. Or like I express myself, it just felt good. You know, it's like God, it just feels good to talk about something that gives you healing. Like if you really connected to the spirit, you really can't get your healing. I think that's the misconception of why people don't get saved. Because they don't know what it feels like to be connected to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and like I said previously, it's having a relationship outside of the church with God, because a lot of, you know, the churches that I've went to, it is you can only find God within the church. 
And so people don't understand, like I said, your relationship goes way beyond the church. He hears you. He hears you everywhere in the shower, when you wake up in the morning, when you're riding in your car, going to work, he hears you, you know? So, yeah. So, okay. You lost your father at the age of 18. How did that, uh, how did you deal with the loss of your father during the rise of your career? Wow. These are some good questions. I will say that my father was so pivotal in my life is that at that time you're 18. So you're becoming a man and you want to learn how to be a man. And then I lose my father and also trying to pursue a music career. So that was another reason I went through that phase of just going shifting back and forth. So at that point, I just left music alone, but then I came back and I did R&B. And I was known as in my neighborhood or in my city, they called me the hook king. Oh. So then, Okay. So, I started, so I started doing hooks with people on their rap songs and stuff like that. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting. I loved it though. I, mm-hmm. I really did. <laughs> so were you really? like? Uh, were you like the Nate dog of your community doing the hooks and everything? I was. I was. But at that time, I think Usher was really starting to become really, really popular in like oh five oh six. So Usher. The one of the best R and B singers at the time, so they said I sound like us. Mm-hmm. I, I'll take it. <laughs> right, he's he's great as well. So yeah. your your song entitled "Another Day," and recently you came out with another song, "Hero," which was inspired by your father. How, what was the bond that you shared with your dad before his passing that inspired you to write these songs? Wow, I love your questions. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you know, they both connect together. So Another Day was written in a response to the experience of that loss of my father. But then the second verse of the song, when I say, well, I thank you for sending me through my mother's womb. Mama taught me so many great things about you. Mama told me to heal the sick, make the blind and see. That all goes back to when I was a child. She taught me everything. So whatever mama said, I believe. And that's how I learned. But my father, losing my father as well, he taught me how to love God and how to be good to people by his example. He was, they called him God and city. So he did everything for me to love people. And so I got this good mesh of good, two good people of my mother being a nurturer and teaching me how to overcome my battles of when my adolescence of my learning disability. My father taught me about God. So it was a great mixture. And then the story of Hero, the reason that song came about, is it talks about what happened to my father. Mm-hmm. So my mom, it's, it's like a dream, but I'll never forget it. And to the day I say it to people, how I wrote the song. I remember waking up one morning. My mother said my father was a greeter. My father was a greeter. Um, I wondered what God was doing. I started thinking. I said, things really do happen for a reason. And then my father, because he was a pastor, I would never forget it because my actual government name is, my government name is Joshua Austin. So Joshua is better known for, uh, in the Bible, where he was, Moses was, he passed on, I guess Moses, let me make sure I quote this right. He was one of Moses's, um, as you say, followers. Mm-hmm. Disciples. One of his disciples, I was trying to get the name. Disciples. Mm-hmm. And so my father would always quote me Bible verses to Joshua. But the one that stuck out, he said, Joshua Austin, yes, sir. What will you do as far as me and my house? I will serve the Lord. Because it's in Joshua. Mm-hmm. So that's what always, we sat around the piano because we all sung on my parents and we would do Bible study after we finished singing. And that was my Bible verse that I used. So that's the inspiration of that song. And of course, my cousin, another the other verse, he passed away. Uh, because he was accused of sleeping with a young lady. They never really found all of the proof, never really had all the information. But they imprisoned him for 50 years. He actually didn't live to um, serve the full term. But he, but he inspired me to work my second verse because my family was going through a tragic time when it happened. Mm-hmm. And it just messed the whole family up. So we came together. I said, well, heal my family. You know what I'm saying? And his mother, my aunt, is actually my mother's sister. So 
it was a great lesson. You you never know behind. Like, I was just like, wow, these words are just real. Mm-hmm. That's the inspiration behind both of the songs. They're just talking about my father told me to call him my hero, but he actually said call him Jesus. But because I'm learning of how society is, society says Jesus is not the way, right? Or you hear a lot of people say that. So I figured I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. But I figured a way to cross over and to tell people about that. I call God my hero instead of saying Jesus. So now people, they hear that, God is my hero. And I think that is such a amazing bond that you had with your father. And, you know, in our society today, there are so many stereotypes about black men when it comes to them being absentee fathers. And to see your bond and your connection with him shows and proves that that is just simply what I just said, a stereotype that is not really true. So why do you feel like this narrative that is perpetuated about Black men being absentee uh, fathers is a false narrative that our society continues to use against the Black men in our community? Well, I feel like there's a lot of answers I could give you right now, but what I'll say is the false narrative is there because fatherhood is not just for anybody. You have to know, like, this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. When you marry a woman, you're telling her that everything you're doing is for the family. Mm-hmm. That's why God said, love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So it's like anything behind that, your children, your job, whatever it may be, like everything has to be dedicated. And you have to you have to be consistent in it so that you can bless your family. And that's what God intended. And some men give up because it's very hard to be a man. It's it's very hard. Because it, it's not for the weak. And that's why you have such a generation of young men that say, I don't want to be a father. It's really they're just saying, I don't want to be a man because I have to sacrifice more than what I want. Mm. And it's really just a consistency. That's what makes your men be consistent. My father told that's why he was so, he had so much inspiration in my soul. Like, my father said, there's two types of men there's consistent men and there's men that's not consistent. That's why you have women that date inconsistent men because they look like inconsistent, inconsistent men. But they're really because they don't know what it takes to go the distance. They just know what it takes to get your heart. They don't know what it takes to keep your heart. You know. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um perception of that. I never really thought about it but like that. But yes, I mean, there is definitely a lot of sacrifice that comes with being a parent and me being raised by a single mother. You know, you're the mother and the father, uh, you know, and you're you're playing the man in the woman role, which is something that ultimately, you know, a lot of women, I, I don't know what that feels like. And so it's like, how do you actually do that? You know what I'm saying? So being a parent also is about no doing what you know you know, doing the best that you can do. And like you said, sacrifices too, but no one gives you, there's no book on how to be a parent, you know, there's no book of life or parenting. So, yeah. So when writing songs, what is your creative process? What inspires you to start writing? I guess it's just, it's really experiences. I think that's why like my music catalog isn't as large, but I have a lot of great ideas. I really like the writer about what's happening in my life. I just, I never see myself as an artist just to make up a song, you know, or try to just give you a bunch of hoopla talking about something. So my inspiration starts when I either experience something good or my father would preach a sermon. So the song Joy that I wrote that also is out on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, all those good old things just to let y'all know. Y'all go get it by J. Emanuel, J-A-E, face E-M-E-M, A-E-E-L, yes. But no, it's just, joy came at a time. My father preached a sermon about the Beatitudes. You ever heard of the Beatitudes? Mm-hmm. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are the ones that are pure in spirit. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, ooh, that's a real good song. It's like, you're supposed to feel blessed, so you got to... You got joy. You got joy. So I'm like, there is joy. So much joy, deep yes. inside. 
You know, so I was like, hey. <laughs> I was going to ask you to start breaking out his song eventually in this show, but hey, yes, now, yes, don't stop. Come on, we got it. Let's love, let's love, let's love us. Battle with spirit, spirit. You know, that's, that's how this song came about. The, the voice of an anointed angel, honey. You guys heard it first. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank yes, beautiful, beautiful. So what is your experience like being an indie gospel artist in music? How does it differentiate, do you feel like, gospel, the gospel industry from the mainstream music industry for you in your experience? 90, 95% business, 5% spiritual. Mm, really? Yeah, because you learn that it's all a business. They know you can sing. They know you're still Holy Ghost field, whatever you want to call it. But they want to know you know the business. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people either do things they don't want to do or they spend a lot of money borrowing or they, the first five, six years, you learn in the game. You're spending so much money into one single, not realizing it really just takes you going viral or somebody hearing your song. So I'm in year seven. Of being an independent artist, and I'm, I just started to take them the business side more seriously this year because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Learning of how you can expound or take advantage of people using the internet. So, yeah, it's it's really ninety five percent business, five percent spiritual. So, do you sign uh, when it comes to signing to a record label, and you're in the gospel industry? Do you have to sign a three sixty deal like they do for mainstream artists, or is it a little different? The contractual agreements. That's a very good question. I don't know all the time in successful how it works with the gospel, but I do. I have heard of the 360 deal. They're willing to give you what you want if you give them your soul. They did not say that, but that's what they're saying. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Go ahead. No, so what what do you feel like is an advantage for you being an indie artist? Do you feel like you have more control or... You control your destiny. You can put out whatever kind of song you want to put out. You're not trying to figure out how to market yourself. You just like, I'm just put music out and hope people understand what I'm doing. Not hope, but just putting it out so they can hear your heart. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about what they say. This is this song, market this song, market that song. You be, you get caught up in it a little bit, but you're in control of your creativeness, all of those little things. Mm-hmm. You can go. You can sign your own personal contracts. Whatever you want to do, sing wherever you want to sing. Get paid how you want to get paid. Uh, pretty much, you, you're your own everything. Uh, it is wise to have a business manager and a manager. So I am looking to do such things to have those in place. But it's always great to be able to make my own endeavors. Get uh, paid to do what I love. Mm-hmm. So how do you, as an indie artist, get your name out there? Is it just uploading your music to uh, platforms like TikTok, where your music can be displayed on videos, Instagram? What are some of your routes that you take to getting the name Jay Emanuel out there? Well, currently, I'm, of course, I'm using all the digital platforms. Uh, I have maybe 2,000 followers now on Instagram, so I'm learning how to get the followers up. Mm-hmm. Putting new videos out of myself singing on Facebook. It's uh, going pretty well. Just trying to promote using all of the things that they provide for you. YouTube, I'm at 100 subscribers, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be Congrats. a subscriber. <laughs> yeah. So we're all, it, it all, it's all strategy. That's why I say there's being an independent artist. I'm learning when I say business, there's also technique to the business side. Mm-hmm. So it's really just knowing when to post who to post it for, who to tag. Um, I was learning the other day about how to tag the right people and what hashtags and different things like that. So it's, it's just really learning. It's all of all a learning, knowing thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. Do you find it to be a little challenging trying to learn social media these days? Because I feel like that's all people do is everything is on social media. Does it ever consume you? Do you ever feel super consumed by social media? Don't judge me. I love it, but I still don't understand. I'm old school. Mm-hmm. I was in that last realm of where like 
you use it because it's an enjoyment, but I never really understood it all to kind of like manage of it. So I'm still learning how to use it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, just to know that people are making millions of dollars on TikTok is normal. Yeah. Like, who does that? You just sit at home and you make a video or YouTube. You just sit at home, you figure out an idea that's creative that kids are going to like because they said the audience that you're trying to attack is surprising from ages 7 to 19 because they spend a lot of time on YouTube. I want to say 25, but those are the ones they say that after they finish with schoolwork, watching cartoons, they get right on YouTube because my daughter does so I, I do it. It's a thing. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel, like, do you feel like you have to give your daughter a tablet in order for her to kind of, like, not, you know, throw a tip or tantrum or whatever? Like, what do you feel about that, giving hey, tablets to kids? I tell you, don't judge me. Don't judge me when I say this. It is so bad, but the world has forced us to do that. They knew that as people, we were going to have to use technology to keep our children entertained. Mm-hmm. to keep them calm. Because you can do all that other stuff, but if they see other kids with a tablet, why can't I have a tablet? Mm-hmm. Kids with a cell phone, why can't I have a cell phone? So it's, it's, it's all, it's like a catch-22. You, you can try to teach your children the old way, but you're going to spend going to turn the wheels and you're going to have to deal with an agitated child. Mm-hmm. But so why are you like, you know what, I'm not fighting anymore. Mm-hmm. Here, Here's technology, you know? Technology is taking over. Oh, my God. It is consuming our children. Lord, what have we done? (laughs) I think it was the biggest blessing slash curse we could have ever came up with. But the Bible speaks of it. He said, in the last days, we'll be wise and weak. So we're very intelligent people, but we're sensitive. We don't want to be told nothing. We don't want to talk about nothing. We think talking about whatever subject, regarding sexual orientation or anything, dealing with anything, or talking about the Bible, or talking about a basketball player is being incriminated, or people doing violent acts, like people killing, racism. Everything is all like a big deal to people. And it's like they counsel you if you talk about anything that makes them feel like it's gonna offend them. It's very sad. So what do you think about cancel culture? Since that is such a big thing, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? Cancel culture? I don't have a lot to say about it. I just think it's, they're so closed-minded. It's because they know that they're in control. And technology a lot of people don't really to be cyber. You know, so that's just where I'm at. So I have well, a... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I just okay. sit back there. I, I just honestly sit back and enjoy it. I don't entertain it. Like I said, I just put my music on platforms and I go on TikTok like everybody else and watch Facebook videos and, and laugh and stuff. You know, so it's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And so, deep question for you. Since I know you brought up, you know, kind of, we're kind of living in our last days, do you really feel like we are living in our last days? I'm going to be the person that's different on this question. I think as what you learn in church, what you learn from just spending time with God, mm-hmm. there's, there's no timetable on knowing what the last days look like, but we were told that we're living in them since Christ died. Mm-hmm. So since Christ died, it's been the last days. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we don't know the last day or the hour of when he returned. That is the confusion, the Mayans, everybody getting accused of Y2K or 1999 when they thought everything was going to shut down and people was committing suicide and doing different stuff. You know, all this stuff going on where you see now when we had another pandemic, those big Asian hornets or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you, you heard about in the Bible. It's just, I'm, I'm convinced that God honestly, He's the only person that truly, truly knows what he wants to do. So whatever he's going to do and choose, the Bible is definitely inspired by those that he would speak to because he said the Holy Spirit can't come up. But that's just my opinion. Like I said, it's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, when God is truly, truly ready, he's just going to end it. 
Yeah. So, and like they say, you're gonna come down like a thief in the night, honey. You ain't even gonna know it's hit you. <laughs> yeah. So okay, who would you like to collaborate with on a song? Wow, I had a choice, right? Mm-hmm. My favorite, favorite artist. Wow. Can I say two or just one? Yeah, say as many as you want. Okay. I would love to collab with Todd and Lady. Hmm. I would love to collab with Jonathan Reynolds. Hmm. I would love to do something with Chandler. He has this new sound. Magic City is like the mm-hmm. you know, just, just to be in a circle, because they already have a team of people. You know how they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to do a song with Fred. Brian Courtney Wilson. Oh man, he's amazing. You ever heard of Brian Courtney Wilson? I have. Yes. Yes. And let's see, RB. I lost my touch with RB because RB music is just not the same anymore. It isn't. I so, so I don't know, John Legend. Mm-hmm. He's still there, right? Yeah, I can see that. I do like her. She's an amazing artist. Yeah, she is. And she's from the Bay Area. Shout out to the Bay Area, everybody. I'm a Bay Area girl. So, yes. <laughs> like, these are your dream people, right? Jazz and Southern. Mm-hmm. Like, so, it's, it's a lot of things people that you probably would love to collab with. But, like I said, those are some artists that just um, they stick out. They have a sound that is just different. You know, you're always trying to figure out, like, why does the music always hit so good, you know? hmm I can definitely see all those collaborations, especially that Jasmine Sullivan one. I think that would be a hot one. Because she can sing her ass off, so, yeah. What? Come on now. Yeah, she can blow. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, would you ever consider collaborating with a hip-hop artist? I know Kirk Franklin just came out with a song with Little Baby. It's called We Win. I don't know if you heard of that one yet, but that one I heard it. Yeah. I heard it. I would love to do a song with a pop artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that would be a great collaboration. The question is, is finding the right artist to do the collaboration. Yeah. That's that's always gonna be the question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, do you have anybody that you would consider? It doesn't have to be one from our, you know, from the newer generation. It could be someone old school, even from the '80s or whatever, or the '90s. That you would ever consider doing a hip hop gospel song with? Wow, I love Common. Oh yes, mm. a, uh, I would love to do one with Khalid. Uh, what's his name? Mm. Uh, I had a train lost of thought. Uh, his name came away from Kendrick Lamar. Oh yeah, yeah. And J Cole. J Cole, he's at North Carolina native. Shout out to J Cole, his album is fine. Go get his album. He's an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. He's got great stories. He's he's, a, he's such an inspiration to people from North Carolina. We're like one of the last cities people built to find talent. So shout mm-hmm. out to him and uh, Moray. Moray, he's a great artist. And you know what I love about J. Cole, though, is he's not super present on social media. Now he is because his album came out. But the fact that he doesn't even have to promote his album. And then when he comes out, everybody is just on it. It is great. Like, I've loved every song from his new album. So that's amazing. Shows the true talent that he has, you know? Yeah. So, okay, who are some of your favorite Preachers when it comes to ministry that you enjoy listening to for inspiration? Wow. Okay. I might answer it a little different than what you might. This is this is about you. This is the J. Emanuel show right now. So do right, you. Right. Well, my father inspired me. Um, and so of course it's his passing. And then his friend was actually my pastor from ages 20 to 25. Um, he inspired me. He, he taught me about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. My father told me about the unknown tongues and talking to God in another language and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he never really did because he just thought it was something that he didn't want to force himself to do. 
Well, my father knew three different languages. He knew the Bible back and forth. So he was very intelligent himself. Mm-hmm. But Reverend James Patrick, a wonderful minister, wonderful man of God. And then my pastor, Prayler, he was my recent pastor before transitioning out of the, the church called Empowerment Christian Center. Amazing dish. They, they just taught me so much about who God is. I don't really get into the TV preachers, but if I did, I would say uh, Miles Monroe, but he passed away from a, I think it's a plane crash. Mm. T.D. Jakes is powerful. Mm-hmm. And so nobody else really, nobody else ever really stood out. I, I miss, I hear about Steve Furtick. I see some of his stuff online. None of those guys really, um, I, I haven't had a chance to connect with their, their ministry to see what they've been doing to minister to the people of God. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, actually, they had um, this show, I believe, on the Oxygen channel called um, The Preachers of L.A. And okay. they had Grace Jones, a uh, brother on there who was a preacher and a few other very well-known ones on there as well. And I mean, it was it was something else to see how some of these preachers were on the show. I was like, oh, OK. But, it's real life. Yeah. It's real life. As I was told by a wise man, that's a he used to say Higher levels, higher levels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely can attest to that. It was an interesting show. It was entertaining, but it was like, oh, this isn't really about what the name really entails. It's not really about you talking about the word of God. This is a this is a show for you. This is about money and po- all the pompous circumstances. It's like, man, all can that, we get to the real all stuff? The, here? All the behind the scenes stuff that you just hit in the yeah, absolutely. So would you ever consider doing a reality show if someone came knocking on your door and wanted to do one? Can I say yes and no? Absolutely. Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> it was because a lot of times these people are they're doing all this stuff and they just turn and take because they don't care. Mm-hmm. At this point, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's all integrity from this point for me. Like I'm realizing that I want to leave a good name. The Bible speaks of leaving a good name. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a Bible quoter, but I try to really just live it. I'm not perfect at living some of the things in the Bible because mm-hmm. obviously people choose, pick and choose what they want to do in the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. they don't talk about that, right? But I truly believe that like I want to leave a good name. And a couple million dollars, I don't think it's worth more than even a good name. Mm-hmm. That's not, not worth your soul. Nah, it's not worth So I know you just mentioned that you're a Bible quoter. So what are some scriptures that you like to read for inspiration if you're ever feeling down or if you want to feel a sense of joy? What are your go-to scriptures? Go-to is for the- Four and thirteen. It says, um, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." And um, I can't remember the other one, but I, it's I will pick up my cross and follow Jesus. It's like basically, I just want to do everything I can to have a foundation. Mm-hmm. I want to be like I want to be like a seed, uh, rooted and grounded. So when I grow, uh, my roots are in the ground. Even when I, you know, because there's always see flowers die, they bloom, flowers die, they bloom. Mm-hmm. But the roots, right? So that's the kind of faith I would have. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like your walk with Christ over the years has kept you so grounded? Most definitely. I think if I didn't have at least the foundation, I'd probably have about two, four kids, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Somebody, baby daddy, <laughs> <laughs> or, or a couple wives, whatever. <laughs> That's being true. With being, being a singer, it's a blessing and a curse to be a singer. Oh, yeah. You find, you find out a lot of things you can do with your voice. So, oh man, do you ever uh, find any church groupies? Do any of them come your way? They win for you at the pool pit. I never, really, <laughs> I never really got that opportunity, but I see, I did see it first thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lie and say I got that opportunity, but I see it first thing. Oh, yeah. So, 
No, I you were elaborating. Go ahead. No, I know somebody firsthand dealing with that, so it's just funny. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, you'd be surprised. Like, I see certain things, and I'm just like, really? You know, and how some of them actually fall for it. I mean, I know people get weak, but it's like, come on now. You know what they trying to do, you know? Trying to be on every ministry board just to get past the fish. Come on now. Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. Hey, Greg, you know mine. Uh-huh. You sit up there on the front row with no, uh, what they call them, the, the shield, so you ain't showing your stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on, man. Coming with a sweet potato pie or a sake to me cake or something. So, okay, what are some vocal warm-up exercises that you do to get prepared for your performances? Because I know every artist is different in how they get ready, but how do you get that going? I have weird ones, but they're good. I probably a lot of artists use them. I start, you know, first with the neck roll, and then I do the, like, tone rolls, and then the, you know, like different things like that, and get the, the, the vibration through it, warming up my throat, different things like that. And then the, just take a deep breath. And you know, of course, doing it. Do re mi fa so la mi do re la mi la do re mi fa so la mi do. I see. Okay, so so you it's well prepared for the performances. I see. <laughs> Don't judge me. I used to, before I really really knew what taking care of my voice was. I used to eat holes like kids can. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so that was not good. Don't do that, singers. Warm mm-hmm. <laughs> water or room temperature water and honey. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I know a lot of singers, even even if they're mainstream, have to have vocal coaches. So, do you have one that you go to, or do you just kind of work on your? Have you just worked on your voice over the years? I just worked on my voice over the years, but I definitely want a vocal coach. I definitely want to find one. I, I actually, what's funny is to, to be here today, I stumbled across Thumbtack and I came across Miss B.A. She's a star. But I was looking for a vocal coach and I ended up stumbling across getting a PR. Shout out to Miss B.A. That is she's an interesting a- fact. She's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She led me to you ultimately. So there we go. There you go. <laughs> and you're here today. So we're learning all about you. So um, do you feel like the pandemic has been a little challenging for you as an artist? Most definitely. Most definitely. I think when I was about to take on that wave of the song I put out last year, Joy, I think it was gonna it was gonna take off, which is still can. You can always promote you. Mm-hmm. But I didn't take any performances different things that I was planning to do to kind of just perform myself. And I just started my own record label. Oh, wow. So it was a plan to kind of just pull things into a folder where when I go out and do business, I can tell people I'm my own label. So sponsor me, invest in me, you know. So I didn't really get an opportunity to do that in 2020. So mm-hmm. 2021 was the goal to do so. So it's, it's still there, but you know, it's still like things are moving slowly still hard. So, mm-hmm. so unless you have a big, big, unless you have a big name or you already had credibility in the game, you, it's still pretty slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what goes into starting your own record label? Do you feel like that's something that's kind of a tedious process, or is it kind of relatively easy to start your own record company? Well, the government makes it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to make sure your name is a legitimate business name. Make sure no one else has the name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever your state requires for this, the taxes mm-hmm. to establish the business, and that's pretty much it. And they'll give you a license to have your own business, like LLC. Nice. So, so it's relatively easy. Yeah. 
I wouldn't have never thought. So are you on the scout for other artists to be on this record label or? Once I feel like I can get to a place, um, I have, of course, the five-year plan like everybody. It's only been a year looking to see who will invest in my company. Like I said, that's what I was looking for at the time and still learning the business. But the hope is to sign somebody because I want to be able to give people the opportunity to go do the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. It might sound crazy, but like, Honestly, I don't want to take anything from the artist when I signed. Like, I was like, in my dream world, I said, I was making pay a percentage every year, like paying taxes, mm-hmm. you know, of what they make. Mm-hmm. Just so they can go out there and do the same thing. Just mm-hmm. Because the game is it's, it's corrupt. Everybody is taken from everybody. You're doing stuff you never thought you'd do. I mean, I said a lot of stuff. And that's why I was getting out of the music game. Like, and making this do stuff you would create. <laughs> 360 views, you know, you name it. Whatever you think, I'm thinking, they, you, that's what people did to be famous. And some of them don't regret doing it because they've been successful, but a lot of them Obviously, you can see they deal with mental health issues, drug problems, alcoholism, you name it. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so. Do you feel like that is kind of the same thing, mental health and drug addiction? Is that something that is within the gospel industry as well? Or do you oh, feel like that's something that you really only seem in mainstream? Oh, it's, it's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's just not, it's, everybody doesn't expose it the same. Mm-hmm. I think the music business regarding R&B and rap is more exposed because they're talking, they're they're speaking from the mm-hmm. faith. They can talk about anything. Mm-hmm. A gospel is talking about God. Mm-hmm. You know, you get some kind of up relief because God does help you peace. But then you still deal with after coming off stage or after you've experienced some type of trying week mm-hmm. with your job, because a lot of independent artists are still working full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm still working full-time part-time jobs. So you still deal with traumas after you come off the stage, but you do find that sign of relief. But I think with the the rap game or the R&B game, like they're putting all their marbles in one basket. They're like it's all or nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if gospel artists were to talk about these things that they what do you feel like the reason why they don't talk about it is because they're gonna feel like they're gonna get shunned from the industry? And so they keep it a secret within that industry because of, you know, the backlash that they might face for being a little bit transparent about that. Good question. I honestly, I don't know. I do. I think mental health is something that a lot of people don't talk about in the industry, but I've noticed that it's become more of a topic. I see a couple of independent artists and I've watched a few lives of artists that do it. Shout out to um, Tweet's daughter, Shanice. She's an amazing artist, independent artist. I don't know where, particularly where she's um, based out of, but I have seen that she's um, doing things like that for artists. Mm-hmm. She's talking her. She's an advocate, so shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, when I, I know you got the record company going and everything, and you were kind of talking about how people sign 360 deals and so forth. So when it comes to you signing other artists, do you typically or do you have a lawyer that you have that kind of helps you with these contracts so that you know what to put in and what not to put in? Well, that's what's in place. So that's why I say we are learning about the behind the scenes regarding record label. That is the hard part where you start have to establish things. And um, like it's just like if you had a business, you have to pay people seven dollars, twenty five cents now, like minimum wage, like all those different things. Those are behind the scenes stuff. So yes, finding a lawyer has been one of my goals. All those different things within this year to continue to expand the business mm-hmm. and to to be my own independent company. Yes. Yeah. So you have some things that you have coming up soon, such as your uh, virtual performance on June 4th, excuse me. And then you have a potential collab with God is Dope Brand. So can you tell us a little bit uh, more about what you have coming up in these two adventures? Yes, I do apologize about the date. The date is actually June 12th at 4 p.m. Okay. 4 p.m. But it's a a virtual concert, yes. The Stone Mountain Um, 
organization. They're out they're located in Georgia. And they help individuals such as young men trying to go back to college or going to college in the community. They just raise money for them so they feel like they have support. So I was excited when I was invited to do it. Like a friend of mine heard about me. He was like, man, I think you should um, see if they'll let you perform. And so I'm excited. It's two of the great performers, like Monica Steve. Uh, Monica Lynn, I think it's Monica, Lisa Stevens, and then one Ford, and then me, of course, myself, um, Jay Emanuel. So I'm excited. So the Stone Mountain Foundation, um, they're in, yes, I'm located in Georgia. And it will be on Zoom. I will be sending out the links. I will be sending out different things so people can um, provide, you know, if they want to donate. Um, it's all going to the foundation. And I'm so excited to be just a part of it. When the guy is dope, I thought it was a dope thing. Mm -hmm. I, was just, I was just like, I would love to be a part of something like this. Um, the apparel, that line, everything that they do, uh, it's just all represent, representation of God. Mm -hmm. They really want God to look good. Mm -hmm. What better way to do it than to put it on your shirt or across your, your body? So, mm -hmm. I, it's simple, right? So, yeah. I'm looking forward, to just, looking forward to just making great connections and branding, whatever maybe uh, has a soul. Um, so, those are just two things right now currently going on. I'm looking to release a single in July it's called I Pray. Mm -hmm. Yes, I Pray. It is an up tempo song. It's dope. It's dope. Maybe I can send it to you personally so you can hear something. Yeah, or you can come on and actually premiere it. <laughs> okay. I'm always up for that too, so everybody can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but yes, and I just, I'm excited. New music is coming out. I'm trying to put something down later this, as far as an EP or anything later this year, or that it'll be early next year. So. Wow. And I'm looking to looking to do at least another show this year, mm -hmm. uh, possibly like a Christmas show or maybe like in November or so. So I'm excited. There's a lot of things that are coming together. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm about to get married. So God is good. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Do you guys have a date or you guys are still October, October 9th. October. Oh, that's wonderful. Congrats. Yeah, well, y'all all be on the lookout for that. So when can we actually expect an EP from you? Uh, an actual EP? Yeah. Well, I was saying earlier, I was like, possibly later at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. It might fall closer to the middle of 2022, just because of the transitions and trying to just really get this thing together, you know? Mm -hmm. Transitions, new life. You know, I'm going to be a husband, I'm going to be a father, I'm going to be this or that. You know, I'm excited, but I know when you're trying to balance everything, it is about getting back to business. So, but the goal is to put something out of it this year. I actually have an album, but you know, that one thing that they don't tell you about putting out music is you have to have money and kind of be able to put it all together and mm -hmm. promotion. And all those different things. So. Mm -hmm. and this, is, mm -hmm. this is a life of an um, independent artist doing everything yes. Distri distribution, marketing, all of the things. But all the work. Yes, yeah. 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 So, what are some words of inspiration that you have for those who may be struggling through this pandemic and needing a sense of hope and encouragement? Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your dream. Trust God. Keep living. Inspire people. Don't give up. Work the job that God has called you to, to as your passion. But if your passion is music, stick with it. Don't give up. You see, I keep saying, don't give up mm -hmm. because life gets that real. Mm -hmm. I don't want to try to make it no more difficult for you. I'm going to keep it that simple. Do not give up on the dream. Keep being, stay inspired. Don't let anything discourage you from pursuing your dream because life is always hard itself. Mm -hmm. So that's my Life gives you challenges, but we can all overcome them with little faith and in words of encouragement from J.E. Manuel. Yes, man. Yes, man. 
Yeah, well, I want to thank you for joining me today. Let everybody know where they can connect with you and listen to your music. Yes, you can connect with me um, on all digital platforms that is Spotify, the popular ones like Apple Music, Tidal, um, also on YouTube. You just type my name in. It's J A E space E L A N U E L. And you can find my name on YouTube, Spotify, on Instagram. You can type that same name in as well. Facebook music is J Manuel Music. And that's pretty much it. That's where you can find me. Go support me. Um, just let me know what you think. Also, I apologize. My website is www.jmanual.com. So if you want to know more or you want information, I am looking into selling my t-shirts. If you can okay. see. Yes, Jay Manual. I love it. Yeah. So it's just, it's coming along, you know, so everybody just Support, support, support. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Jay Emanuel out here doing big things. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And you guys heard it first here. Go pick up his, um, go get his merchandise and make sure you go and stream his music, everybody. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I'm your host, Kyra. And if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can do so at, at I am Kyra Mahoney. Or if you like any Vibe Selection merchandise, you can grab that at www teespring.com slash vibe selection. Once again, I'm your host, Kyra. Tune in for next week's episode. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.